Aaron O'Toole could well be Canada's next Prime Minister. He just needs to do something that has happened just once in the last 30 years, win a Conservative majority. And to do that, he's looking for voters you don't typically see right-wing parties courting. Union members. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Brian Platt joins me to talk about why O'Toole is looking at this voter base as a way to grow support, what the pitch he's making is, and whether this could actually pave the way to a conservative win. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Brian, new conservative leader Aaron O'Toole has many challenges in front of him. He's a new leader, so he's still trying to acquaint himself or have Canadians get acquainted with him. He is an opposition leader in the middle of a pandemic that's seeing the government hold fairly high support for himself. But one of the biggest challenges that I don't think a lot of people are talking about right now because we're not in an election is the idea that essentially since the early 90s, it's been really hard for conservatives to win themselves a majority government. I mean, other than Mulroney's two majorities in the 80s and then Stephen Harper's majority in 2011, conservatives have either lost or they've been able to get minority governments. So why is it so hard for a conservative party to win a majority government? Yeah, and this is something that O'Toole's team is thinking a lot about. And if we think about even just the modern era of the Conservative Party, so when the modern party was formed in 2003, when the Progressive Conservatives and the Canadian Alliance merged, in that time, the modern Conservative Party has shown itself to reliably get about a third of the vote. And as one advisor put it to me, that it's actually, their vote is very durable. That even in 2015, when Trudeau swept in with a majority government, the Conservative vote actually didn't drop all that much. Mm -hmm. They tend to draw somewhere in the low 30s pretty much every election. That's their floor. The problem is the ceiling is not as high as it needs to be to get to a place where they can consistently win majorities. Generally in Canada, to get a majority government, your popular vote needs to be about 39% or higher. You can go a little bit lower than that, but not very much lower. Getting to that 39% for the Conservatives is very difficult because all the voter movement, for the most part, happens on the left side of the spectrum between NDP, Liberals, and to a certain extent, the Bloc Québécois, obviously just in Quebec. So if you're the Conservatives, you've got to figure out how to solve that conundrum, and it's very difficult. The only thing so far that's proven to work for the Conservatives is if you have a strong NDP vote, because that takes away a lot of Liberal strength from the left and allows the Conservatives to, to claim a much bigger share of voters. And the one time that happened was in 2011. That was the year that Michael Ignatieff was leading the Liberals. Jack Layton was his last election as the NDP leader, and the NDP were very strong, mm -hmm. the Liberals were quite weak, and the Conservatives won a majority. The problem is the Conservatives have no control over whether the NDP is going to be strong or weak. O'Toole's team has been thinking about how to try to change that dynamic and get more control over their own circumstances. In things that are within their control, what do people on O'Toole's team feel they need to do to get a bigger share of that support? what they've been talking about is how to find new voters, how to expand their base. And the advice that always comes to them from the media and from commentators, from pundits and so on, 
is that they need to move towards the center, move towards the liberals, become more moderate. People say this especially about climate change and carbon prices. But on a lot of policies, that's how you can get more votes. There's a few problems with that. One of them is that if somebody wants policies that are like the liberals, they'll probably vote liberals unless they just get tired of them, in which case maybe they vote the liberals out of office, but then they switch back to the liberals you know, pretty quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's actually not that easy to peel off in large numbers liberal voters from the right. They're more likely to stay within their own area, perhaps more likely to switch to the NDP than the conservatives. It depends on the voter. It's not necessarily a durable voting coalition. The conservatives are thinking a little bit differently about this. They're thinking about people who might agree with the conservatives on a lot of issues, but there's a few things holding them back from voting. Or I would say they're also increasingly thinking about a different set of voters. And these are people who are not voting in elections, who have sit them out, who have become disengaged in the political process. And I think that's a really interesting group of voters that O'Toole's team is starting to figure out how to target. We first got a sense of this with a recent speech that Aaron O'Toole made. Was it the Economic Club of Canada in Toronto? Yeah, the Canadian Club Toronto, I think, is the, was the name okay. of the group. Yeah. So what was he talking about during this speech? O'Toole gave a speech that was in line with some of the videos, the social media ads that he's been putting out, but went probably a little bit further in at least one respect, which is he started to say nice things about organized labor and unions private sector unions in particular. not He's not looking to make allies among teachers unions and public service unions who tend to be very left-leaning and I don't think would switch their vote conservative anytime soon. <laughs> but he said, we've seen falling rates of private sector unionization, and this is a bad thing for workers. Private sector unions were an important balance between corporate elite, the financial elite, and ordinary working people in order to protect their rights. And he went in even further than that, saying, we used to have an expectation of benefits, of pensions, of stable employment, and we're heading towards a troubling time where, you know, we're looking at a nation of Uber drivers where everybody has precarious contract work, the gig economy, and so on. And it has the potential to leave a lot of people behind. These are all things that Aaron O'Toole said explicitly in his speech. I'm pretty much quoting him there. And... That is not rhetoric we're used to hearing from a conservative leader. A very different tone and very interesting. And you can already start to see there how he is targeting people who in the past may not have considered voting conservative. Now, what about those statements are significant? Or why are union members not typical targets of conservative campaigns? Especially if we're talking private sector unions, a lot of them might be tradesmen, might be the kind of down-to-earth, blue-collar voter that conservative parties would want to attract. The way this was put to me by a few conservative strategists is there's a large group of people they believe who are out there who they call culturally conservative. So they believe in a lot of the things that the conservative party stands for strong borders, very tough on crime policies, Canadian patriotism. They really like standing up for a Canadian identity. And perhaps most importantly, I think, for some of the things that Aaron O'Toole likes to emphasize, they are turned off by overly politically correct culture, cancel culture, that sort of thing. They believe that the woke Twitter crowd, as one way to put it, just has gone too far, that we've gone way too politically correct. Those are all people who you could see as being in the conservative camp, but they also don't like 
the Conservative Party's stance against organized labor. The Conservative Party has a long history of fighting with unions. Mm-hmm. And during Stephen Harper's majority government, they passed two bills that unions saw as deeply anti-union legislation. They were put forward by conservative MPs, so it wasn't a government bill, but it was still passed by the conservatives when they had a majority in the House of Commons. One of the bills basically made it easier to decertify a union. It gets really complicated, but basically eliminated the card check system as the way to form a union so that it had to be done by a secret vote. Unions saw this as making it harder to unionize and easier to decertify a union. But even just rhetorically, the conservatives have long been in opposition with organized labor, fighting unions from having a lot of control in workplaces. And Aaron O'Toole, I think, believes that there's a lot of voters, as you mentioned, trades workers is a very good example of that, people who work in construction unions, who may be quite sympathetic to conservative positions, but the anti-union rhetoric is turning them away. And so Aaron O'Toole is trying to change the party's positioning on this and access a whole new pool of voters that the conservatives may otherwise not be getting. Some of what Aaron O'Toole was saying sounded kind of familiar to me. And and the idea of kind of rich elites sending jobs overseas, looking out for local work, trying to have stability in work, is something that I recall hearing a lot of from Donald Trump over the last four years. And the idea that he was going to bring factories back and going to be concerned about American jobs and all of that. Are conservatives in Canada looking south of the border for a job strategy? Somewhat, yes. Not just south of the border, but also across the ocean. They see that the Tory party in Britain has done a pretty good job of starting to pick up more working class votes, more unionized labor votes, votes that used to be reliably labor party or in the US Democrat. These comparisons are tricky because Donald Trump, his personality kind of overwhelms everything else. And Mm -hmm. anyone who's heard Aaron O'Toole and Donald Trump speak no one's ever going to confuse the two. Aaron O'Toole's personality, he's not anything like Donald Trump. But there is a larger political strategy where Donald Trump has managed to get a lot of, you know, Rust Belt regions, more working class voters who used to be pretty reliably leftist, perhaps a long time ago, but still, those voters switch their votes to the Republican Party. And in Britain, the Conservative Party has picked up seats in areas, especially in the northern parts of England, that used to be pretty reliably Labour Party. If that's happening there, I think Aaron O'Toole and his advisors think that something similar could happen here. The idea of job protection and not wanting to see jobs sent overseas, things like that, that isn't typical conservative rhetoric, as you just mentioned. And, you know, under Stephen Harper, the party was very supportive of free trade, global trade, Does this signal the end of that as a big plank for the Conservative Party, or is it more complicated than that, and O'Toole is trying to balance off various factions within the Conservative Party? The short answer is it remains to be seen, but it's a really big question. I think that it is probably a balancing act right now. They're not about to turn their backs completely on free trade or free markets or small government. These are all very much at the core of Stephen Harper's message as a conservative leader. But they're definitely starting to move away from that, at least as objectives in themselves. Mm -hmm. That those are still values that underlie their party's vision, but they have to be much more sensitive to how some people are being left behind by globalization, right? Some people are being hurt by free trade deals. And some people believe that they need more protection for their jobs, for their benefits. 
these are things that O'Toole and his advisors are thinking about and trying to start to make very much a part of the party's messaging in a way that really was not done during the Harper years. It's not to say that Harper didn't care about ordinary working people, but his priority was more to convince them that the conservative party's, you know, emphasis of free trade, small government, that was the way to improve their lives. I think Aaron O'Toole is thinking that they may need to moderate that. They may need to reverse some of these trends not even reverse, but mitigate them, right? We need more protection for people who uh, have been hurt by free trade, by outsourcing of jobs. Mm-hmm. You can just imagine, based on how I'm talking about this, the kind of conversations that must be going on in his office as they try to shape a campaign platform, because it's not clear how far they're going to go in this direction. But it's a really interesting question of how much of this is just a communications policy, and how much of it will show up in actual concrete promises and changes from previous conservative election platforms. The one thing about this that I find strange is that some of these talking points are things that you in the past have heard from the liberals and the NDP. And if that's the case, why do conservatives feel they can grab these voters? Or is it grabbing those specific voters and maybe it's getting new voters on side? Yeah, well, one reason why this is complicated is because there's different voters who we're talking about here. Some of them are actually, you know, still pretty economically well off, like people who work in construction unions, for example, steel workers, people like that, who maybe are worried about where things are heading, but actually they get paid pretty well. They still are part of strong unions, they have benefits. Those groups of people, I think, the conservatives are moderating their message, especially when it comes to organized labor, because they think that otherwise those people may be sympathetic to conservatives, but have shied away from voting for them because of the conservative stance against organized labor, which protects their jobs. There's another group of people, though, who I think it's more difficult to know how easily they could be drawn in, but people who just sit out elections, lower income, lower educated people who live outside cities who don't vote, or if when they used to vote, they used to vote left. They are cynical about politics. They feel like the country's headed in the wrong direction. It's hard to know exactly how many of those voters are gettable, but I mean, this is the more common definition. When we say the working class, these are some of the people we might think about, right? Very stereotypically, like say coal miners, right? People who used to work in mines and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know how many people are like that who are sitting out elections who may be ready to jump into the conservative camp. But I think that turnout in this country is still somewhere around 60%, usually, so it goes up and down a little bit in federal elections. That's a lot of people who don't vote. And I think. I think the Conservative Party believes that if it starts to target its message towards people who feel left behind, who feel that the government doesn't care about them, that politicians don't ever think about them, that is part of who Aaron O'Toole is targeting when he has this message of things are not okay. We live in very troubled times. We've been outsourcing too much to China. Political correctness is out of control. I think Aaron O'Toole is thinking about people who maybe have been sitting out past elections, but might be willing to cast a vote for his party this time around. What do union leaders say about this move by Aaron O'Toole? I assume that O'Toole isn't speaking to union leaders when he's making a speech like that, but presumably as people who represent their members, union leaders already kind of have formed an opinion of Aaron O'Toole. For the most part, union leaders are very much aligned with left-wing parties still, and I don't expect that will change anytime soon. It's not to say every union 
is like that. I do think that construction unions in particular have always been much more open to voting conservative, especially because conservative parties tend to champion the projects that construction workers build, natural resource projects, pipelines, things like that. But you think about some of the really big unions, the leaders who get a lot of media time, and the best-known example of that is Jerry Dias, the national president of Unifor. So that's the auto workers, but it's also a, a ton of other workers are within the Unifor, including a lot of journalist unions. Jerry Dias, I interviewed him when I was pulling together my story on this, and Jerry is not going to be saying nice things about Aaron O'Toole anytime soon. He thinks that Aaron O'Toole is a total hypocrite. Because O'Toole voted for those conservative bills that he sees as anti-union. And that Aaron O'Toole is trying to pull off a Donald Trump switch for crass political reasons. To try to hoodwink voters into voting for him so he can get it form a majority government. You're going to hear that message a lot from Jerry Dias and probably some other union leaders too. Mm -hmm. But I think what O'Toole suspects here is that workers are going to make up their own mind about this. They're not just going to do what their union leaders tell them to do. You know, Unifor is a massive union. Lots of people will have their own views and people in other unions as well. And so I don't think Aaron O'Toole is going to get a lot of help from union leaders, but that's probably not really what he's relying on anyway. Is there any chance that this strategy could backfire with either members of his party or voters of his party, that 33% base that you were talking about? I think that there is a chance. It's too soon to know. He's only just started to talk this way. I mean, he was only elected leader in August. And the speech where he really started to bring out some of these themes was only about two weeks ago. So it's a little bit too soon to know yet. But there are people who are with the conservatives because they do loathe unions and organized labor. They're more libertarian-minded. They want government out of the way. They want as much privatization as possible. So what you're talking about is trying to build a coalition where you've got a bunch of different groups who are not all totally happy with all the positions your party has, but broadly, more or less, your party's the party that they most agree with and would like to see in government. And so you try to hold on to your existing base while attracting in new people. And that's why it's a very careful balancing act. I know there have been some MPs who have expressed some concern to Aaron O'Toole's office about some of the things he's been saying and kind of wondering where this is going. I don't get the sense yet that there's any kind of revolt or anything like that. And I don't know if that would happen. I think a lot of people in the Conservative Party do realize that they can't just run the same campaign over and over again if it's not working. They've got to change something. And so it's really going to come down, I think, to how well Aaron O'Toole is able to balance these competing concerns. Building a big tent party is very difficult. He's trying to grow the voter base, and it probably will cause some tensions, and it'll test his ability of how well he manages those tensions as they come up. It will certainly be interesting to see how this all plays out in the conservative platform in the next election. Brian, thanks for your time. Thanks very much. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Brian Platt. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>